0: What kind of cookies are
1: these?
0: chocolate chip. All right, what do we
1: have here?
0: This is cruel and unusual.
1: Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles. And with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 17 years, Liz.
0: That's me, Liz Kraft, also a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And apologies, Sarah. I'm getting over a cold and my voice is um, a bit hoarse and all over the place. But I will do my best. On this podcast, we talk about what it's like to be writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles.
1: Happier in Hollywood is all about how to survive and thrive no matter where you are or what you do.
0: In this episode, we'll discuss the minefield of eating at work, introduce our new assistant, and answer a listener question about the job we're happy we did not get. And we'll also have our weekly Hollywood hack. So Sarah, let's get started with a segment we call From the Treadmill Desks Of, where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches this week. And this week, what's most pressing is eating at work. yes. Uh, we mentioned in the last
1: episode that we're starting a new job, which is very exciting for the people, um, uh, which is an ABC show. It will be a new ABC show, probably mid-season. So one of the big things that happens at the beginning of every TV job is negotiating how the group is going to eat. Um, so just to explain a little, in television, usually the writers all order lunch from the same place. What happens is the, the writer's PA, which is production assistant, will bring a menu into the room and kind of circulate the menu and everyone writes down what they want to eat.
0: The most important part of the day.
1: Yeah, it's a thing. And then we also share a group kitchen. And as a group, you decide basically what offerings you want the kitchen to hold.
0: Um, And the show, we should say, pays for the food the majority of the time. Yes. There's a budget
1: and sometimes you can people are like, hang back. (laughs) (laughs) You have to stop ordering for a while. You've exceeded your budget. And there's this very specific TV writer work-food culture. And to some extent, this has to be a dilemma that's an element of every new job and jobs in
0: general, right? Yeah. I mean, how to eat at work is, I think, a universal problem (laughs) slash opportunity. Now, where we have an advantage as TV writers is, We're always starting new jobs. I mean, yes, some people are on shows for five years, but a lot of us might have a new job every six months, every year. And so you always have the opportunity to start fresh and eat well and, more importantly, not eat badly at a new job.
1: Right. And then we also have a unique disadvantage in that there's always a fully stocked kitchen at every job with whatever you want, um And then, in terms of starting a new job, there's this culture of sending treats yes. on the first day. So, like, on the first day of For the People, the studio sent this giant box of cookies. There's this place called Delicious Cookies and Milk, which is, like, where everyone sends their cookies from yes. on the first day. We'll put a link to them on our or website. Or Sprinkles Cupcakes. Those two. And then an agency sent a huge basket of Junk food basically.
0: Yes. And um, unfortunately, the giant box of cookies got just (laughs) plopped down right in front of you and me in the writer's room. We were in the writer's room, which is where we sit around a table and do all our work. And the assistant came in and just went thump. And it was like, (laughs) Oh, you know, 50 cookies. Yeah.
1: 50 of the most amazing yes, cookies you've ever right in seen. Front of us. Yes. The gluten free person and the diabetic sitting there staring down a box of giant, incredible cookies. So I took one home to Violet. I didn't eat one.
0: Yeah. That was which my strategy. Is great. I mean, in past times, you probably would have eaten one. Oh, God, yes. And I would have. Not in recent past, but certainly there's a time I would have eaten like six. Oh, absolutely. Um, But I thought taking one home to Violet was a good strategy. Um, Yeah, I didn't take one home to Jack. I just don't even want that temptation. That's smart.
1: It's like because I know I can't possibly have it, it's like, well, I can put one in my backpack. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was a food moment of truth, and it was not the only one. On the first day.
0: No. So then there was ordering lunch, which, as you said, is a whole process. And the restaurant chosen was like burgers and fries. And onion rings. And onion rings. And it was just like, oh, goodness. The shakes were crossed off. Yeah, you weren't allowed to. I think they were too expensive. (laughs) You weren't allowed to order a shake. (laughs) But it was sort of like, okay, how are we going to handle this? And there was like two salads on the menu, and we both got a salad. I was proud of us. Um, what was interesting, though, is there's writers who were starting. Yeah. Um, it's their first job, literally, um, as writers. And um, it was funny because one of them said, well, it's the first day. I'm going to just go crazy and order a burger and fries and onion rings. And I was thinking, like, don't do it right. because you're setting <laughs> such a precedent. And that's the thing about eating at work. Whatever you start, it's very easy to continue. Yes. Especially if you're starting with something bad. Yes. So and it look, if you don't care, great, ignore this whole segment. You know, that's wonderful. Yes, but if, if you, you have
1: the metabolism of a, you know, eleven year old. Yes.
0: But if you <laughs> do care, it really is true that where you start that first day is gonna be really hard to change if you start with a burger and fries and onion rings. Because yeah. The job is very stressful, the hours can be long, and eating is a way to, as we all know, comfort yourself, get through a tough time, uh-huh. and it's so easy to fall back on that. Yes. So you want to just start off strong, which we both did, and then I'm really going to be bringing Jenny Craig most days to eat. Right. Um, but I didn't want to the first day because I felt too self-conscious, to be honest. I didn't want to <laughs> bust out my, like, right. microwave lasagna oh, yeah. day one. <laughs> I did bust it out day two. But anyway, so that was our first test and we both passed. Yeah, And
1: then the second test is when the writer's PA comes in and says, what kind of snacks do you want me to get at the grocery store? And you, like very boldly, said, so should we all decide that we're only going to have healthy snacks? And then there became like immediately it was like. Boom, boom. It, yes. Silence
0: descended. It was an awkward, <laughs> resounding silence. <Yeah. laughs> the people in the room did not agree with my strategy. Well,
1: not all the people in the room. What was interesting about it is that there was a clear, very clear age divide yes. in who agreed and who didn't agree yes um, like all the people who've worked in tv for a while were fully on board right with the healthy eating strategy and then like all the people who have not worked in tv for and a while and are young and are young yes clearly want like the chocolate and the chips and the, you know all and the soda and that you know yes
0: so the compromise was that the bad food quotes can be put on a top shelf right
1: so those of us who don't want it don't have to look at it every time we go Uh um
0: so we are going to have bad food but we're also (laughs) going to kind of try to hide it a little bit and then we're getting good food too like nuts with no like salt yes raw nuts and almond butter and apples and good bars Uh and yeah now my theory um what i think people should do and i've said this before is bring what you're going to eat that's what I try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, or I know exactly what I'm going to eat. So, I like, I ask for green apples. I'll right. only eat from the kitchen green apples or kind bars because I figure, how many bars can I eat in a day? And mean, yes. I'm just going to get sick of them. So that's the only thing I'll eat that and, you know, drink coffee from the kitchen.
1: Yes, you have to know going in what your acceptable snacks are. Like, I brought in, because the first day I was like, God only knows what's going to be there. Yeah. So I brought in my snack bag kind of for the first week. I have these grass fed beef sticks that I'm obsessed with oh, I've called goodness. Chomps.
0: Yes, Chomps. Yes. <laughs> and my sister, Gretchen, who I do my other podcast happier with, who um is extreme low carb, she likes Nick sticks. Yes. So Nick those are and these Chomps. are like healthy Slim Jims. Beside. Exactly. And they're delicious. And then
1: I also brought in some paleo bars and I have a specific salad dressing that I like that doesn't have sugar in it. And I have these like dried banana things. So I know that like those are the snacks that I will eat. And then when we start ordering snacks, it's apples and nuts and like almond butter.
0: Yeah, and I can't even go down the nuts road at all because, as you know, I will just eat so many nuts that it's out of control and it (laughs) can't be good for anybody.
1: Well, you know what they did get, which I thought was greater? They got the prepackaged bags of almonds. Ah. So they're raw almonds in bags and it's just one serving. Yeah, so it's easier to avoid that.
0: It's easier, nonetheless. I could eat like ten of those bags, but yes, <laughs> yeah. it is. E- if I'm desperate, maybe I'll have a bag yeah. of nuts. And then the other thing we do, and this is sort of associated with eating at work. Um, of course, you, we have our. We don't have our treadmill desks right. there because it just isn't possible to bring them to that office. Yeah, we should say
1: our regular office is on the Disney lot. These offices are on the Paramount lot. So three days a week we're at Paramount and two days a week we're at Disney.
0: Right, and which is a lot of fun being at Paramount. Um, So what we're doing is taking loops around the Paramount lot. Now, this does two things. One, of course, it's always good to walk during the day. Mm -hmm. But two, I think a lot of times when you go for a snack, like we were saying about the sort of comfort eating, you really just want to change. You want to give yourself a little treat. And so by going on a quick walk around the lot, it sort of is the equivalent of having a snack. It right. just changes your mindset, your mood, your pace. It's a distraction. And then you come back and hopefully you can not have that bag of chips. Right.
1: And the Paramount lot is really fun. Like we shot Angel at Paramount. So we didn't write the show at Paramount, but but the show shot yes. there. So we spent a lot of time there pretty yes. early in our career. So it's fun to go back there. Uh, it feels kind of like coming home in a way. And then it's just a cool lot to be on. Great show shoot there. Um, NCIS, which our friend Scott Gemmel runs.
0: So it's like, you know, we could get to run into Scott. Scott. Yeah, The Veep writers are above us, which is fun. And then the writer's room we're in is going to be featured on ABC <laughs> right. on 10 Days in the Valley because I think they used it for their writer's room. Yeah, so we'll set. be able to see our actual writer's room as a set of... On TV, on TV. Ten Days yes. in the Valley, which I'm not sure when it premieres. We'll Transparent Karen is
1: there, the blacklist is there, Dr. Phil is there, This Is Us is there, Grace and Frankie is there. I keep thinking maybe we'll run into Jane Fonda. Oh that would be nice. Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda
0: sighting. Yes.
1: Fingers um, crossed.
0: So hopefully we'll run into all those people and be gawking at them instead of eating bad food. Right, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, I think anyone can go take a walk around the block at work. Yes, wherever you, know, you work. Even if you're not on a Hollywood lot, you can at least, you know, circle the block and get your mind off of, you know, the Twix bar and the freezer. Yes,
1: and everyone can know in advance what they're sort of personally approved work snacks are.
0: Yeah, that is the key. Do not go beyond that and do not make exceptions. And we'll have to have a whole separate segment about birthdays. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) Let me just say that I don't eat birthday cake at work, period, Uh ever. And, you know, if you are one of
1: those young people who thinks that all of this doesn't (laughs) apply to you, wait five years um, because we are your future.
0: We are. Do you struggle with what to eat at work? Let us know your strategies and Instagram pictures of your worst office food temptations with the hashtag happier in Hollywood, and so will we. Expect a picture of a giant, decadent food basket. <laughs> Next up,
1: we'll introduce our new assistant, but first an ad break. So, Liz, let's move on to a segment we call the outer office. There's big news in our outer office. Yes, yes. We have a new assistant. We searched far and wide. Brooke talked to, I think, like 30 people. Um, We interviewed seven.
0: Yes, and it was a very hard decision, unexpectedly hard, because we were really impressed with a lot of people. I mean, I think we got like over 120 resumes by the end of the process. It was nuts. But our favorite candidate was Mm -hmm. Blahfla Darko, and she is here with us. Welcome, Boafwa. Yay. Hi. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Thanks for being here. This yes. is really trial by fire because you just started like three days ago. Yep. <laughs> this is your third day. Yeah, you're just like <laughs> jumping right in. Yep. Um, before we begin, um, because you have an unusual name, I just want to say how it's spelled and then you can kind of slowly pronounce it. It's B-O-A-F-O-A and it's pronounced... Boafwa. 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 Yes. And it's a Ghanaian name. Yes. My family's from Ghana. And Darko is a really cool name. So you've got definitely the coolest name of anyone we've ever worked with. Thank you. (laughs) You have that title already.
1: (laughs) So Boafwa, do you want to introduce yourself and just tell our listeners a little bit about you? Sure. Um, So first, you should know
2: that I'm Liz and Sarah's new assistant, and they are great. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Um, I am Ghanaian, but I was born and raised in Prince George's County, Maryland, and I am an outspoken feminist and an aspiring writer in Los Angeles. (laughs) Nice. And you graduated from Wellesley. I did. So I went to Wellesley College, home of Hillary Clinton. We were very proud of her. (laughs) And after college, I decided I wanted to work in Hollywood, and I came out to LA. Yeah, tell us about that. Things sort of didn't go exactly
1: as you planned.
2: So I was really naive when I moved here. I just kind of knew I wanted to work in television. I hadn't landed on being a writer yet. Um, But then when I got here, I just realized that, oh, my God, all those names in the credits, they have jobs, and I can do any one of those jobs. I don't know what I want to do. (laughs) Um, So for a while, I PA'd. I also worked as a script
0: supervisor for a little bit. I thought maybe I wanted to be an AD. Um, Let me just stop you and say, a PA, as we said, is a production assistant. A script supervisor is a very detailed job where you have to keep track of the script. It's a job that's on set. Um, it's a very demanding job. Mm-hmm. And then an AD is an assistant director, also a production job.
2: Yes. Thank you for explaining. Yeah. I took some classes at um, Los Angeles Community College for a while just to figure out what I wanted to do. But in the meantime, I decided to not work in Hollywood while I was figuring that out, which might sound counterproductive, but that's the route I took. (laughs) And I worked at a nonprofit for about three years called Just Detention International. was a criminal justice nonprofit. And while I was there, that's when I really realized that what I wanted to do was write. So eventually I just took that leap and left.
0: And what what I want to hear about, because I think a lot of people, you know, you're working in a nonprofit in a stable job. And then you sort of had to say, okay, if I'm going to make this Hollywood thing happen, I have to just blind faith. I have to leave here and do this really risky thing. Was And a lot of people, even if they're not trying to be in Hollywood, they might be at a job where they also need to take a leap mm-hmm. to do something they really want to pursue. So what went into that decision making? Was it scary? Did you sort of consult with your family? Tell us about that. So it was terrifying all the <laughs> time. Um,
2: I had been... Taking time off of work to work on some production jobs that I was getting. I PA'd on Sully as a day player, which is someone you call in just to work for the day as many times as you need them. And then after that, I got a job working on A Wrinkle in Time, a feature film that has not come out
0: yet. Directed by Ava DuVernay. The amazing Ava DuVernay, yes. Who also directed (laughs) Selma. And... That's when I made realized
2: that if I really wanted to do this full-time, I had to be available and ready to take a job. Mm. Uh, The thing about Hollywood is that if you get a job, they want you to start the next day. There is no, I can I put in two weeks' notice? Like, you have to be ready. And I just realized that if I wanted to be serious about this, I had to take the risk and just take that leap. And it was terrifying. I worked at a great nonprofit. I had a great job. And... I had great benefits, like, great friends. So it was really, really hard for me to do. I guess a part of me also felt a bit guilty about leaving a nonprofit where I was helping people to do something a bit more self-indulgent, like be a writer. Mm, Yeah. Um, But, I mean, I don't want to get too deep with this, but when you work with people who are incarcerated and they can't leave their cell, I was like, "I, I have the power to leave and do whatever I want. So, and I should exercise that freedom and not take it for granted. So
0: I just made a decision
2: to just go for it. But it was terrifying (laughs) every step of the way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then it worked out amazingly because you ended up working as a writer's assistant on Queen Sugar, which is an hour-long drama on OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network, about a Black family trying to resurrect their late father's sugarcane farm.
0: Uh, Yes. And before we go any further, we have to ask, (laughs) did you meet Oprah?
2: Unfortunately, I did not get to meet Oprah, even though I really, really wanted to. <laughs> Oprah, if you're listening,
1: I still <laughs> want to meet you. Oprah, come by our offices. <laughs> Just yes. give me a hug and I'll be I'm okay. On podcast. <laughs> Only one of us has met Oprah. It's not me. So yes, that's I, a story for
0: another day. I met Oprah, but yeah, we'll tell that story sometime. <laughs> Uh, Now, Queen Sugar was created by Ava DuVernay, who, as we said, directed Selma. She also directed The 13th, and she's incredibly talented. She's a massive inspiration to many women, including including us. What was it like to work for her? She
2: is a powerhouse, and she is exactly what you think she is. When I worked with her on Wrinkle, I think as an assistant, I was kind of amazed at how much she knew about everything going on in the office. Like, I remember her taking some execs or some high-up people from Disney around the office. And she stopped, and she pointed out our production secretary. like, oh, he just got promoted. Like, say hi to him. Aww. And I was like, how do you even know that? Because <laughs> I, I worked on films, and the director is usually so wrapped up in, like, the actors. They don't know what's going on with, like, the little people. But she knew everything going on in every single department at all Aww. times. And I thought that was incredibly impressive. And there was also a moment where I took notes during the meetings, production meetings with all the production heads, and she was giving them a mandate for hiring that she wanted diversity. She wanted women. She wanted people of color. And she points at me and she says, she and I are the only two women of color in this room. This has to change. I want more of her. And I remember wow. thinking, oh, my God, you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I also will never forget, um, I heard two of her production heads talking, like, I don't want to be the one to bring Ava, like, a white guy. You need to go back and look again.
0: Oh, <laughs> and so her and I message thinking, got through. Yeah,
2: like, she's... She is amazing. She's an amazing champion for change in the industry. And I think working for her was a blessing. And I mean, Ava, you're amazing for listening.
1: (laughs) I hope she is. That would be (laughs) awesome. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about being a writer's assistant, which is what you were on Queen Sugar? For our non-Hollywood listeners, what does that job entail? Being a writer's assistant, your main job is to take notes in the room.
2: So the writers have pretty much spend the entire day talking about the story and the ideas they have and what they want to see happen. And is your job to track all of that story, take notes, and organize it in a way so that the writers, when they're writing especially, can look at the notes and say, oh, that's what we talked about. This is where we landed. Um, this is what we wanted to do. So I s- essentially just took notes, and sometimes I did some research, because on Queen Sugar, we didn't
0: have a researcher. It's such a hard job because you really have to be so intensely listening and concentrating for the entire day. I don't think I could have hacked that job, honestly. (laughs) I don't think I have the stamina. But what's interesting is that's a job that can often lead to getting staffed on a show if it goes well. Not always. I mean, certainly not always, but it can. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet you chose to leave that job and come be our assistant, of course, we're thrilled about that. Um And it was a strategic choice you made, which, of course, we always respect strategic choices because we're constantly trying to strategize. Tell us what you were thinking in making that choice. So I was the writer's assistant on Queen
2: Sugar. Oh, excuse me. I was a writer's assistant. We had two writer's assistants. And it was a great job. There were great people. But I really... Look at these assistant jobs as like an educational experience. Mm-hmm. That's the way I kind of have to think about it to make up for the shitty pay and everything. Right. <laughs> exactly. It, <laughs> it is bad pay. It's oh, God. It's um, horrible. But I had a great season and I could have gone back and continued being a writer's assistant and I would have continued to like learn as a writer. But when this job opening came and I realized there were two writers in development, I thought to myself, I've never done that before. I've never worked in development. I don't know how shows are just created from out of thin air. And I thought that'd be like a really great experience to have. So like if writer's assistant is my writing 101 this could be my writing 201 (laughs) um so I decided to go for it and take that chance and it is a risk because I do feel like the writer assistant gig is kind of something that you know if I stay here for a couple of seasons at the most I will eventually be given a script or a um chance to write I mean that's what you hope at least right But this is completely different. I'm assisting two women in development. But it's been great. Like, I feel like this week, I mean, my three days, I already (laughs) learned so much about how you guys are creating story and, like, what the networks are looking for. And I I think it's already been worth it.
0: Well, good. We (laughs) certainly hope that your strategy pays off. We're going to do our best to um, give you an education and development. And hopefully we'll be carrying that through an actual making of a show. (laughs) Uh, our own show I have crossing my fingers our fingers and my toes <laughs> right now yes. so thank you Boifwa, for coming in today and for being a resident in our outer <laughs> office we're very excited to have you thank you um and now sarah it is time for a listener question excellent
1: so liz neither of us had a celebrity sighting this week but we did get a great listener question from at Deedle Beetle on Twitter. Um, He said, have you ever been grateful you didn't get a job you really wanted?
0: And the answer to that question is yes. Yes, we have (laughs) a few times. But the main one that we really wanted, the job we really wanted and didn't get was Without a Trace. Um, And for anyone who doesn't remember, Without a Trace was a procedural show on CBS about missing people. Every week someone went missing and... They were found, and that was the show. <laughs> and we were coming off of Angel, which is the Buffy spinoff. We'd been working for Joss Whedon, and we were up for The Shield as one job and right. Without a Trace as another job. And The Shield was our favorite show. It was our favorite show on television, period. Yep. We were From the time we saw the pilot, yes. yeah, which
1: was before it even came out. Yes,
0: but it was on cable it did not pay much and being a team we split our paychecks so it really for us didn't pay much and without a trace was a 22 episode network show which is paid a lot i mean so much a lot more and sarah you had just bought a house in echo park and you had a mortgage for the first time and money was a concern yes i was Panicked, I think, about money. I'd never
1: had that kind of financial obligation before. And I was very concerned about being able to pay my mortgage. And if it hadn't been for that massive, massive difference in money, it would have been an easy decision because The Shield was our favorite show. But I mean, the money difference, especially when you're a team and you're getting half. Of a paycheck, it was significant, um and that without a trace money was definitely very compelling. And I still I will say, I do miss the residuals we would have gotten from without a trace mm-hmm. because that show, you know, there were so many episodes they replayed forever. Um if you don't uh, know what residuals are, they're sort of like book royalties for TV. Every time an episode plays somewhere, the writer gets a certain amount of money for that. But the, all of that said, thank God it worked out the way it did, especially Liz for you.
0: Yes. Thank goodness we took the job on The Shield because I met my husband. His name is Adam Fierro. He was also a writer on The Shield. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, not only was the show great for our career, absolutely made our career, but I wouldn't have my marriage or my little boy, Jack (laughs) Fierro, without having done The Shield. I mean, I don't think I would have met Adam out in the world. Like right. I just feel like I don't know what I would be doing now. Well, and there's
1: something about sitting in a room with someone you know, nonstop for 10 hours a day at The Shield. It sometimes was much longer. You got to know each other very well, very quickly.
0: Yes. And I will, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but um, I was in therapy at the time Uh when we started The Shield. And I said to my therapist, I remember this, saying, well, at The Shield, there's going to be a lot of guys because it's a very male show. Uh And they've probably just been working all the time. So maybe I'll meet someone. Oh my so goodness. I actually, had that thought. Uh-huh. Um, and then it happened. I mean, it's right. just so nuts that it worked out. And right. the your fun, light was on. His my light was on. was on. Yes. Sex in the City reference. <laughs> yes. The other funny thing is The Shield was so violent. It was a cop show yeah. about dirty cops, and it was extremely violent, but a lot of couples came out of that show. A lot. There are a lot of kids in the world. Because of that show. Yeah, there was something romantic in the air, despite the content of um, the show. Everyone, <laughs> anyone who hasn't watched The Shield, go back and watch it, because it's really an amazing show created by Sean Ryan. One of the memories I have of, of the whole thing with Adam, though, which was sweet that I always will remember, is I had... Knew I was interested in him, but we hadn't started dating, Uh and his mom and sisters came in with his niece. I remember that, yeah. um, To say hi, and we met them, and I remember thinking, like, I would love to be part of that family. It was like, but we had never, I mean we hadn't nothing right and I had that thought like they just seem like such a great family yeah. um, and they are a great family so I got really lucky oh, now I remember them coming in and
1: it was like like a light came into the room yes yeah
0: they're a lot of fun they're
1: great people
0: and I think like there's something about just I get as you said you get to know someone mm-hmm. so completely on a show you really see them when they're tired when they're stressed, um, when they're angry, yeah. when they're excited. I don't know, it's like there's no more surprises after that. I mean, right. of course there's always people always surprise you, but it is a great way to meet someone. So anyone out there on a writer staff
2: <laughs> um
0: I suggest it. It worked for me. So I'm very glad we did not get that without a trace job. Of course, Sarah, if we had gotten the without a trace job, maybe you would have met your husband.
1: I know. Maybe my husband was on without a trace. I need to go and, and, like, see who was working on without a trace We have to IMDB. (laughs) It's like sliding doors. Yeah. Um, Well, I think, you know, on the whole, it definitely worked out for the best. Thank goodness for bullets dodged yes and opportunities missed yes
0: i will say um on another note any show that we have wanted to be on that we haven't gotten the job but we never watch that show again oh no no if they don't hire us they're they're dead to us that's true doesn't matter how much we liked it before not watching again and now it is time for this week's hollywood hack so sarah you cannot go anywhere in this town this is not an ad, by the way. This is right. just us talking about it. You cannot go anywhere without seeing someone carrying a swell water bottle, including you. Oh, you yeah. do not leave your house without a swell water bottle. So, I don't. So in case anyone doesn't know, what are they?
1: Well, okay. So, yeah, they're ubiquitous. I think I have three. I might have four. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, these swell water bottles, they're these very sleek Usually very colorful. Sometimes they have like artists do like a special thing on the outside and they keep water like they keep cold water very cold and they keep hot water very hot for a very long time, like all day. They're basically like cool-looking thermoses.
0: And they are extremely trendy. Like, if you're leafing through us weekly, as I do um, quite often, there will (laughs) always be, like, pictures of celebrities holding Swell water bottles. If you're anywhere, like in any store, like even like Nordstrom carries them now because people want their Swell water bottles. And the thing is, like, yes, they're trendy, but they are actually great water bottles, which is why we're saying they're a Hollywood hack because they actually are very convenient and look good and feel good.
1: Yeah. And I can put the lid on and throw one in my bag and they don't leak. And they, right. I find that I drink a lot more water if my water is really cold. When I'm using my swell bottles, I really do drink a lot more water. That said, you're not so much of a a swell or any water bottle fan, really.
0: I'm not. I well, here's first of all, they are super expensive. They are. Bottles. They can range from
1: like thirty-two to eighty dollars. They're very expensive. Yes.
0: Um. My issue is, I hate washing water bottles. Like, I just yeah. don't get. You can't put them in the dishwasher, and for me, like anything, I can't put in the dishwasher. It just doesn't work for me. And it's like, I always think of it as just like growing bacteria because I know yeah. I'm not going to wash it. So, and also they are very heavy in my bag.
1: Yeah. It does add weight for sure, but you're saving the environment. You're, yes, you're, which is
0: important. I need to start. I yes. need to start. Maybe this will be my inspiration to start using a water bottle. Yes. And
1: over time, you're saving money, not buying, you know, plastic bottles of water. Yes. Which is good. And as for the washing, First of all, I will confess, I do put mine in the dishwasher sometimes. Maybe that's what I'll do. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not perfect about that. But also, last year when we were in New York for uh, the model woman pilot that we shot, I went to the MoMA store.
0: Mm. And they
1: have these really cool... They're kind of shaped like snap peas, Mm -hmm. and they're little sponges with something kind of hard inside, and you can put them in your water bottle and put in a little warm water and dish soap and just shake them up, and it's a super easy way to clean them. Ah. So I just do that, and it's definitely cleaning my water bottles a lot more than I used to, and also I put them in the dishwasher. I do have a pet peeve about Swell, though. I don't know if this is a Swell pet peeve or an Amazon pet peeve. Okay, But when I got my last one, I wanted a really big one because I really do drink a lot of water. You do. So I went to Amazon, and the one that I wanted was called a men's water bottle. Oh. Like, the big one, stainless steel, big water bottle. Is a men's water bottle, which seems kind of crazy to me. Like, are water bottles gendered now? Like, yes,
0: who knew that <laughs> there were men, male right. water bottles and female water bottles? Yeah. So,
1: I have a men's water bottle. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I think it costs like sixty dollars, though. Although, there's the other thing is they do have them now at Target. I think they're so um, popular that they have a whole line at Target, and they are slightly less expensive. They're like $25. And you definitely do drink more water. I do, at least, when I'm using my Swell water bottle.
0: And to me, the idea they keep something hot is crucial because, you know, I'm a coffee drinker, and I would, I really would love to carry around hot coffee all day.
1: Right. If you're a coffee drinker or a tea drinker, yeah. you really will have, like,
0: piping hot
1: yes. coffee or tea.
0: So Swell Water Bottles are a Hollywood hack, and they are worth the money if they'll get you to drink more water. Now, we have to add here, Sarah, that our producer, Jennifer yes. Lai, who we always thank at the end of the show, she would like tricks for getting ourselves to drink more water. Yes, she says so, that drinking
1: more water is her number one 2017 resolution.
0: Oh, wow. So
1: if you have any tricks for Jennifer, email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com.
0: And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Thanks for listening and remember to subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the podcast, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. It really helps new listeners find us. And if you have any pressing
1: questions about swell water bottles or writer's room food lists or life in Hollywood in general, leave us a voicemail at 949-HAPPY21. Or email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. And don't forget to Instagram your work food photos. Hashtag happierinhollywood.
0: Thank you to our producer, Jennifer Lye, the future water drinker. And thanks to Andy Bowers of Panoply. Also thanks to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Twitter at
1: Sarah M. Fain and Liz is at Elizabeth Craft. Until next week,
0: I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Kraft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Oh, we forgot to talk about the evil donut bringer. Oh, yeah, we did. Well, that's a whole segment. We could talk about that
1: for like two hours. (laughs)